eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh Houts. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of another Dolphins Podcast. We have a boatload to discuss today. Super Bowl 58 is set. The Kansas City Chiefs will play the San Francisco 49ers. We have that on the agenda. We have Dolphins defensive coordinator interviews on the agenda. And if you one, you're pretty bold if you're listening to headlines or listening to podcasts without reading the headlines. But if you just turned on this pod and you didn't see it, our good friend Merrick Brave interviewed Ricky Williams. We will have that as the second portion of the show, so stay tuned for that. But as I mentioned, Super Bowl is set. In order to talk about the Dolphins, in order to talk about the NFL, we all know I can't do it alone. Joshua Houts, what's up, dude? How's it going, man? It feels like uh, it's been a while since we talked. Uh, so much has happened. Like you mentioned, Super Bowl set. We got some DCs that we're going to talk about. Um, but I keep going back to it, man. We got, what, two more weeks of football? I mean, everyone's saying there's no games this week, but we do get to watch Tua Tumalo play flag football. And let's be honest, if there's anyone that we want to see in those skills competitions, you know, trying to hit those targets, I mean, Tua is pretty damn deadly. So I know I'm getting sidetracked there, but I just keep thinking that football is soon going to be over and I'm trying to enjoy every last second of it, every little drop. But um, I'm just happy to be able to come on here and talk about our favorite team, man, because that's what it's all about, right? We love watching football. We love seeing these competitive matchups like we saw. But at the end of the day, everything goes back to our beloved Miami Dolphins, and I enjoy talking about them so much with you, man. So how was your weekend? How are you doing, and how have you been? I'm doing well. It was a fun weekend because 
every game now, I mean, the Dolphins have been out of it for a couple weeks, so it's not like everything is like, oh, what about the Dolphins? What about the Dolphins? But you are watching each game with uh, aqua and orange tinted glasses, right? There's no doubt about that. You're wondering, how can the Dolphins compete, right? You lose to the Chiefs twice in a year. You lose to the Bills three times in a year. Um, The Ravens, we saw what happened in that game. Uh, But, man... The Chiefs beat the Baltimore Ravens 17 to 10 on Sunday. You know, everyone was saying Mahomes was great, and he was. This entire conversation starts with Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. But I absolutely love the dialogue of playoff football games because Mahomes was great. He started the game like 11 for 11. The Chiefs won that game 17 to 10. It didn't even feel that close the entire way. But Josh, what I wanted to ask you was. Not maybe not in this scenario, maybe not going into Baltimore in an AFC championship game, but seeing how the Chiefs won, right? They came out and, and you know punched the Baltimore Ravens in the mouth a couple times right away. And a lot of it was Mahomes going 11 for 11, Andy Reid that play calling. And I thought to myself, again, maybe not in Baltimore. Mahomes is on a whole nother level, so don't take this out of context. But Do you not see a world where McDaniel and Tua can really have an offense where it's 11 to 11 to start the game? We kind of love Tua being that blackjack dealer, that guy who's going to spread the football around, someone who doesn't need to get bailed out all the time, who's just going to dice you apart. That made me kind of feel a little better about, hey, this offense led by McDaniel, led by Tua, they haven't shown it late in the season. But we've seen an offense get cooked up where they're just dicing defenses early on, and I kind of got a little hype that hey maybe these guys maybe going into year three who would have thought maybe just gives these guys time and they could get there yeah I mean we definitely need to give them time but we're just so (laughs) caught up in the moment and that's all we do is just sit here and you know our emotions swing every which way but you're right man I think we've even seen it from Tua before right we've seen games where he's completed you know x amount of passes in a row I think at one point he was pushing like Tannehill's uh franchise record at some point this season so um I absolutely believe that I think this was one of the most exciting offenses that we've ever seen as Dolphin fans I know you weren't uh you were too young but the, some of those Marino offenses didn't even look as good as what we saw this year at times especially from that running back unit so yeah man you're watching these games and you do see that the Miami Dolphins has some tools there but we do have to say Andy Reid's one of the best to ever coach in the NFL and um you said Patrick Holmes is the best in the football I was walking into the house today and I was just thinking I should tweet it out man because people debate it all the time right there's no debate anymore Patrick Holmes is the the QB one and let's be honest a lot of people are down and you know against the Chiefs but people need to stop thinking about that and just realize that you're watching one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game because there's going to be a time when um we're looking back at and I do think Patrick Mahomes is going to be at the very top of that list for what he's capable of doing at that quarterback position no I completely agree with you and Andy Reid's been doing this god man 25 years he's he's always been one Eagles of the best fans players. ran him out of town they were so stupid man they were so proud of that I'm like you brought Chip Kelly in, dude. <laughs> Which, for a couple of years, the Chip Kelly thing did work. You had Nick Foles looking like a uh, uh, Super Bowl-ready quarterback even before he won the Super Bowl. I think his, what, touchdown-to-interception ratio was like 28-3 to with Chip Kelly. Uh, but getting way off topic here. And, again, I'm not trying to sound like a homer here, man, but McDaniel's been calling plays for two years. The fact that Mahomes, like, walked into the NFL and was ready for playoff football is absolutely mind-blowing to me. But something we've seen from Tua every year is as he goes into the offseason, you identify something he gets better at, and he goes ahead and does that. Now that he has that offseason to really focus on his game, another year with Mike McDaniel, I do see a world where, hey, like you don't need to hit those firework plays. Like You do have the Tyree Kill cheat button, but what we really saw in both of these games, the Chiefs win and even the crazy, crazy uh, San Fran win of 34-31 over the Lions, 
the ability to move the ball down the field is how you win football games. And that goes back to like 2021 uh, Miami Dolphins and, and Tua. And that kind of made me feel like, hey, I think they have the pieces here. The defense is a whole other story. And we'll get to that soon. But uh, overall, the offense, it sucked late in the year. But but I see that glimmer of hope and it could be a train, but who knows? Yeah, man, I'm sitting there nodding my head. And I thought what you were going to say is, um, you know, I, He's not a mobile quarterback, right? We can't sit here and say that Tua Tumble ever had that mobility, but there was a time, I think, when people viewed him as a dual threat. We know he's got bigger. We know the hits he's sustained and things like that. You don't want him out there scrambling, but there are times when you might want to use him to get outside, you know, to roll out and get on the move and utilize some of that uh, mobility, I guess, that he once showed. So um, I thought that's where you were going because I got to admit, man, I have watched the 49ers play. I've seen, you know, Brock Purdy before, but, dude, that dude looked quick as shit when he was taking off at times, and I was just, like, mind-blown. I was like, I did not realize that he had that capability to him. We know Lamar did. We know some of the other guys did, and um, I thought that's where you were going. But you're right, man. He just needs to key in and realize that you don't need to take that big play, and I would like to see them. We'll talk about throughout the offseason. We talked about it all season long, but bring another option, right, because it's just basically Tyree Kill and Jalen mm-hmm. Waddle, and even, you know, late in the year when Jalen Waddle wasn't around, it was just Tyree Kill, and we saw what happened. So um, there are some bright spots to what we saw of this offense, and intrigued to see what happens because we can sit here and be down on Mike McDaniel, but this was only a second season as a head coach, second season as a play caller, and let's see what they can do in year three together. Before we discuss some of the uh, defensive coordinator options the Miami Dolphins are dealing with, the Browns hired Ken Dorsey as their offensive coordinator. Some AFC East news, and the Bills are sticking with Joe Brady as their offensive coordinator. Man, I go back to that, and I still think it's crazy that you fire your offensive coordinator after your special teams unit got a five-yard penalty for having too many players on the field. Did you really feel like the Buffalo Bills, that offense changed so much between Brady and Ken Dorsey? I think they kind of leaned on the run game a little bit more, but at the end of the day, man, like with Ken Dorsey, with Joe Brady, they were just, it was all Josh Allen. You had to rely on Josh Allen to be the guy, and that didn't change at all. Yeah, that offense is what it is, right? They got playmakers. So I do think that he was a little bit of a scapegoat, Ken Dorsey. But Joe Brady, I mean, the way that offense was clicking, we saw the success the Bills were having. I admittedly didn't watch a ton of Bills games, but they did get on that winning streak, and it did seem like the right move. I still remember uh, when Brian Flores was searching for a new offensive coordinator, going to sleep, and I think I even tweeted out, you know, I'm going to wake up. Hopefully Joe Brady is going to be that name. And I remember waking up, and I think you probably messaged me or something. And it was Chan Gailey, dude. It was Chan Gailey they went with. So uh, kudos to Joe Brady for getting this job. Um, a rare Buffalo Bills W. Um, hope, you know, nothing but the worst for him up there, if we're being honest. But, uh, yeah, I still go back to thinking maybe Brian Flores are bringing a Joe Brady or something like that, and it turned out to be Chan Gailey. Josh, I don't know if you saw this, but the Dolphins were blocked from interviewing Ajero Evero, the Panthers' defensive coordinator. And all I got to say to you, my friend, is some teams are in this, you know, mindset. Maybe we shouldn't let our coordinators interview with other teams. And then you got the Miami Dolphins who rolled out the red carpet to send Vic Fangio to Philly. How do you feel? Um, about which one? Uh, being denied access to uh, Ivero. I mean, that kind of sucks, right? I mean, he's one of the bright defensive minds. We've seen him from stop to stop, you know, take a defensive unit and elevate them to the next level. So that was an intriguing name that people originally immediately came up. But as for the Vic Fangio thing, I'm still upset about that, man. I feel like the Dolphins could have done more to uh, prevent that from happening. But um, if you want to keep relationships in the NFL, I guess Mike McDaniel was trying to do the right thing. So I'm still upset about that. Still want Vic Fangio to, to pee off and ask for this. So hopefully um, maybe the Dolphins can revisit this later down the road. If you know, maybe the Panthers decide that they don't want to keep him around, but that's a very young defensive mind who I do believe has been interviewed for even head coaching jobs at times. So 
Um, definitely an intriguing name. Was a little bit surprised when I went on the Finsider and saw that they were denied access. I was like, dude, I, I must have been sleepwalking through yesterday or something. Yeah, so he had a head coaching interview with the Seahawks. He was actually also blocked from interviewing with, let me see here, the Jags and the Giants. And you kind of get the idea of uh, – Maybe the Panthers want to kind of keep their young defensive coordinator with their new um, offensive-minded head coach and, and Dave Canales coming over from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That was a name I was kind of excited about, though, seeing uh, Evero on the block. The tw- 2022 Broncos were seventh in total offense. The Panthers were fourth in total offense a year ago. Those were two defenses he ran. A former Rams safeties coach, you kind of can maybe see some uh, sort of Mike McDaniel connection there with the uh, – genius young coaching minds that the Miami Dolphins are looking for. This seemed like a great opportunity for the Dolphins. I'm kind of bummed about it, but uh, I guess it kind of is what it is when you know teams can block those lateral moves to um, other teams. Yeah, I mean, we can't sit here and, you know, wrinkle our nose at it because we're going to see the Dolphins do this from time to time as well. I mean, we've seen it throughout history. So um, hopefully he sticks around, gets, uh, you know, signs with the Panthers and they can do good things because I do think um, what he's done throughout his career is deserving of being a defense coordinator and eventually a head coach in the NFL. Completely agree with you. They also, I think on Monday, will be interviewing Brandon Staley, which is a pretty interesting name, Josh. We already talked about that a little bit. Obviously, his defense is with the Chargers. Ugly, ugly, ugly. But that chemistry he has with Jalen Ramsey, you're kind of under the impression that he might be someone who, while his defenses weren't great, get him in a room with some of these leaders on the Dolphins defense and let them pick up some sort of scheme that can let those guys be guys and uh, lead the team hopefully to a playoff win. Yeah, I said it before. We all get caught up in the moment, right? But we all remember Brandon Staley and what he did with that Rams defense. I mean, we talked about in a previous pod, you've tweeted out about the star position, almost creating a solar system around Jalen Ramsey, their relationship throughout everything, the way the it sounds like Jalen Ramsey thinks the world of him. And then let's not forget, I think he's part of the QB collective. Um, I think Mike McDaniels even spoke glowingly about his defense and how hard it was to game plan against. So um, we all know he fizzled out and with the Chargers. I think he went 24 and 25 as head coach. Never could be a head coach. We saw some of those interviews towards the end of the season. I mean, dude, he was tail spinning out of control. But those guys sometimes want redemption, right? Maybe I'm just the the guy that wants that good fight. But every time these guys get fired, I just think wherever they go next, they want to prove that they can be a head coach again. So maybe you get the best Brandon Staley when he reunites with Jalen Ramsey. But definitely an interesting name. But after what he did last year, 28th total defense, 30th in pass defense, 17th rush defense, 24th in scoring. Um, uh, it's not necessarily a name you want to hear after Vic Fangio departed, but I do think once he comes to Miami, if that is where the route they go, um, I think we could sell this. And maybe a young Brandon Staley, kind of that young-minded guy, like you mentioned with the Evero, him with Mike McDaniel, they could push each other. Who knows what could happen? This is a very important decision, though, for Mike McDaniel. Intriguing name for sure. What do you think about Brandon Staley, Jake? I'm starting to lean into it. I think he could be the the right candidate. I think the Dolphins got to go outside the box here. I mean – The decision with Vic Fangio to sign him and make him be your defensive coordinator made so much sense, right? It made that kind of, um, it kind of felt like a meme, right? Where you have the goofy young offensive mind and then the old grouchy defensive mind there. And and you thought it would work out well. I was actually kind of surprised it didn't work out well. And you do wonder if there was a different multiverse where the Eagles job wasn't open that, hey, maybe they'd come back and everyone would be happy and and kind of keep moving forward here. But man, I, I do think Brandon Staley could really help some guys lean into their 
talents, lean into what make them strong players. And that's what Vic Fangio didn't do, right? It was all about the scheme. It was the scheme knows best and the scheme comes first. And we saw the scheme get worked time and time again, where we have other guys. You look at what the Chiefs are doing, man. They're winning games 17 to 10. Steve Spagnuolo has been absolutely awesome. And we see them using different schemes, different coverages. So while Vic Fangio and that defense is absolutely excellent, I mean, I think they could have tweaked some things at times, maybe open up some more plays, get Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard, those guys more involved when they were still on the field. And that's kind of the hope with Brandon Staley that you're really going to maximize your roster. And that's what the Dolphins are going to need to do, right? You're paying, you know, Tyree kills so much money. Tua's fifth-year option is going to be $24 million unless you get him on a bigger deal. You need someone to come in and say, hey, I know what we're working with. I know what's on the cupboard. I'm going to get the most out of it. It because we heard time and time again, Vic Fangio, the defensive tackle depth isn't enough. The safety depth isn't enough. Okay, well, if you don't have enough at these positions, how can you hide those weaknesses without saying the talent is going to limit this defense as a whole? And I think Staley could do that. And he has an awful, awful track record in the last three years. I completely understand that. Yeah, I, I completely understand why people will be upset. I mean, let's be honest. No matter who they sign, someone's going to be upset. Dolphins Twitter is going to find a way to, uh, you know, Wrinkler knows that. I just wonder if there was an age gap. Well, obviously there's an age gap, but you know what I mean? Vic Fangio seeing a young Mike McDaniel, the way he interacts with these players, you know, wearing his awesome shoes with the tags on it. You wonder if Vic Fangio is just like, I, I got to get out of here, right? I, I got to go do something else. But uh, for, for me, man, I, I do want to see what Brandon Staley can do. I think, like you said, the biggest thing with Vic Fangio was just him being so boneheaded and stuck in his ways. You know, the scheme knows best, not utilizing a player like Jalen Ramsey, who at times, you know, I don't want to say he seemed frustrated, but he did seem a little bit annoyed when he admittedly said, I want to go against their number one shadow, their number one wide receiver. And Vic's just like, nah, man, we can't do that. We can't make that work. So um, a guy like Brandon Staley, I can grab, you know, I can understand that I don't know everything right we don't know everything as fans we can just sit we here and look at it from an outside at yeah, least i know, know nothing. nothing yeah I, well i don't know nothing either so <laughs> brandon staley's the signing I, we will all sit back and we will uh find a way to uh push that and it'll be uh what mcdaniel staley 24 Dude, the mental gymnastics. That's the thing about this football team, man. I, I will do any sort of mental gymnastics to sell myself on whatever this franchise is doing. I like to think I have a little bit of awareness of saying, at least before going in, that I understand I'm making those gymnastics, but fandom's a crazy, crazy thing. Josh, uh, what about Buffalo Bills linebacking coach, Bobby Babbick, son of Bob Babbick, if you didn't know? Yeah, I did actually. I looked, I tried to do some <laughs> on these guys. I mean, when you see the name, you see this young guy, he kind of looked like he might've been related to Mike McDaniel for being honest. One of those pictures going around, like if you threw glasses on there, that would be him. But I'm going to be honest, man, if you look in the comments, a lot of Bills fans were really upset about this. So that kind of made me start to think, I mean, I don't mind this as much, right? He's a young guy, 40 years old. I think he coached safeties up until 2022 when he moved to linebackers coach with the Bills. I think people credit him for uh, Poyer's success, a little bit of Micah Hyde, things like that. So um, the fact that Bills fans hated to see it, the fact he's young, might bring a different uh, aspect to the Dolphins defense. I'd be intrigued by it. So, um, again, we don't know nothing, right? We don't know who this guy is. We didn't hear about his name until just last week, but we've seen success on the Buffalo Bills defense, whether it be at safeties, whether it be at linebackers. His father was a coach for 18 years or 19, I don't know if I had that written down right. But, yeah, I'd be okay with this. I would push it, and I'd be okay mainly because Bill's Mafia was in shambles. What are your thoughts? He's been an assistant in the NFL since 2011, interviewed with the Packers and Giants already, um, and he was on the 2014 Browns with Mike McDaniel. This is another name where I'm kind of interested in it. It doesn't really sell as the, you know, football vision. Like, again, man, I thought Vangio, the idea of having that grizzled vet to come in and be the guy made so much sense where – 
all right, if, if we want everything to be a collaborative effort, make everyone the same age, have them be all these 40-year-old coaches who really lean into talking and really understanding things with their defensive staff and their players. Yeah, man, I'm all for it. I, I think it'd be an interesting hire. I think the Dolphins have truly, truly – if there's any position outside of the offensive line the Dolphins have truly, truly struggled to develop, it's linebacker. So, sure, man, I, I think I'm all in on a linebacker coach coming in to be the guy, except both of these scenarios. I mean – Outside, I mean, even the Vangio one to an extent since he was up in the booth, I think one of the most things I'm fearful of with the 2024 Miami Dolphins is that, uh, you know, that bright-eyed look once you reach the playoffs, that inability to call that timeout you need to, that split-second challenge decision that comes out to bite you. I don't know if the Dolphins are going to be ready for those situations, and I think it just speaks to how awesome Mahomes has been his entire career to see him go in and, and be not miss a beat, be so cold in these playoff moments. You saw how long it took Andy Reid to become that playoff guy and be comfortable late in the season to make the right play calls. I don't know if this Dolphins coaching staff will be ready for that. And then you kind of get to the big picture of when does this rebuild end? How long will Steven Ross buy in? And I legitimately would buy into seeing this team be right where it needs to be in 2024, except just that inexperience comes back to bite them. And I think that's an okay for a season to end, but I don't know if other people would feel that same way. Does that, does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And I'm sitting here, you know, racking my brain. I had a question for you. Do you think maybe they lean towards a guy like Brandon Staley because he has been on a Fangio staff? He kind of ran that defense similar in style. I mean, we know we have a laundry list of, uh, you know, free agents and stuff. So this defense could look different regardless of how. So they can come in and pretty much change the scheme however they want. But to keep some continuity, do you think maybe they say, okay, Brandon Staley, you know, you kind of have a big Fangio style defense. We know Jalen Ramsey's probably sitting there you know, banging the table for him would, I mean, I think I said that right there. I mean, if Jalen Ramsey comes up to you and says, look, coach, or Mike Pitano comes to you, Hey, Jalen Ramsey, you know, Hey, Javon Hahn, which guy do you want? And Jalen Ramsey comes up, Brandon Staley's the best, you know, defensive mind I've ever worked with. I mean, that's going to mean a lot coming from Jalen Ramsey. Right. So do you think they might lean towards that? I mean, I'm sitting here answering my own question, but um, sorry about that. No, I, I think that's definitely their mindset. And there were some really interesting uh, conversations between McDaniel and Staley. Uh, the QB Collective posted some videos that I thought were super interesting to go check them out. But I also go back to after week one where McDaniel was kind of laughing when discussing the Brandon Staley effect. It kind of was like he wasn't taking it seriously, which the Dolphin beat writers, man, they don't do a good job of making things seem serious when they say things like the Brandon Staley effect. Don't get me wrong. They are not great at that, but you kind of thought that they might be headed in a different direction, but um, yeah, man, I, I definitely think that world makes a lot of sense and you're probably hitting some of the um, same key points that McDaniel on it. And then one more question for you. They were getting ready to pay Vic Fangio. What the highest defense coordinator check in the league. I mean, do you think that they have, given up that route of bringing in that grizzled head coach or that defensive mind who's been a failed head coach, or do you think they might still look at a guy like, I mean, we talked about what Leslie Frazier, I've seen people throw out Rex Ryan um, jokingly. I mean, there are some big name defense coordinators that, you know, might for the right price come back into the NFL like a Vic Fangio. But I feel like after what Mike McDaniel just had to go through, he might not go that route, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's the right price for the wrong equation, I think, because, I mean, Vic Fangio was exactly what you wanted in that scenario. I think they do want someone younger. I think they want someone who's going to be in the building for an extended period of time. I I think they might have uh, set sail on the grizzled vet. I think they kind of felt – I go back to the, the Brian Flores thing, right? They, they got rid of him because he didn't really uh, – 
work with the coaches, work with the staff, work with his players too well. And I think that's kind of what Steven Ross's might be driven in on at this point. Someone who's going to come in, someone who's going to be able to evolve, change, and develop. That's what we want to see out of this defense. And it's just still so strange to me that, you know, we're sitting here the second week into the offseason talking about, you know, I can't wait to see this Dolphins defense evolve, change, and develop when the reason this this team sputtered out of control is because the offense didn't sputter, change, and develop. So there's a lot of questions going on here, and I just like to keep that point in the back of our heads here as, you know, there are a lot of issues still we got to figure out. Yeah, and that's why it's so painful. We're still so much over the cap, so many decisions to be made. But we're sitting here, and I'm talking about continuity on the defensive side. Um, let's remember, Anthony Campanelli is also an in-house candidate that yep. the Dolphins are going to be bringing in. And um, if I'm sitting here praising continuity and, you know, running that defense back in a way, I mean, promoting the guy that was here last year would be the right step in that direction. But And would feel so Dolphins, if we're being honest. That is it. That is all the time Joshua have and I for you. I'm sorry, Josh. There, I'm writing down all these stamps. It's a what a shit show. Don't, don't. I thought. I mean, I thought it went well. Then my, my hiccups over here, and I think overall it went well. And we're putting Ricky with this, right? I mean, come on. He'll carry us. We're the we're the we're Liam Eikenberg. He's running behind us. <laughs> That is it. That is all the time Josh and I have for you guys today. But the show is not over. After this little commercial break, you will hear from Merrick Brave, who is interviewing Ricky Williams. Stay tuned. We're so excited to share that with you guys. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. We have stuff planned for you guys throughout the offseason. But for Josh and I, see you guys later. Fins up. Fins up. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of another Dolphins podcast. I am Merrick Brave, your host for this episode, columnist for the Finsider, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan. And today I'm sitting down with a very, very special guest, one of the greatest running backs in NFL history, arguably the greatest running back in Miami Dolphins history, Ricky Williams. Ricky, welcome to the show. Thank you for having or thank you for being on today. Well, thanks for having me. Um, you know, it's funny. You can tell. I can tell you're a Dolphin fan because one of the greatest running backs in NFL history. I'm not saying it's not true, <laughs> but it takes a Dolphin fan to be able to appreciate that. Well, we do appreciate that, and I, I think the aesthetic had a lot to do with it. You have the cool dreads, and then the visor, man. The visor is is really what did it for a lot of us growing up. I'm 37 years old. I became a Dolphins fan in '91. And when you joined the team in the early 2000s, you know, right after Dan Marino left, it was like, okay, we have our new superhero and his name's Ricky Williams. Yeah, uh, the good old days. <laughs> the good old days. So uh, I guess let's, you know, we want to talk about a, a few topics here today. We want to talk about the Dolphins. We want to talk about your NFL career. And then, of course, we want to get into your your cannabis company, Heisman. Um, but we'll, we'll start with the, the Dolphins. You know, you've been out of the league for a little over a decade now. Um, and you know, sometimes you get a little bit, a little bit disconnected from the product. Do you still get an opportunity to watch NFL games during the regular season? I get an opportunity. I mean, one of the things that we've done and you know, one of, one of the reasons that we're talking, um, is part of my brand is it's sports and cannabis. So we, we have a thing called, we, we call Heisman house and we set up opportunities for fans to come watch the game and consume uh, with me so it's been fun and it's been a way to 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 get back into watching football and the way i like to do it with other people so sure. it's, been, it's been fun 
That's awesome. Did you get an opportunity to watch any Dolphins games this past season or or even, you know, the last couple seasons with the new coach, Mike McDaniel, at the helm? Yeah. I mean, especially watching that offense. You know, they're, they're so explosive, um, big plays, move fast, fun to watch, a lot of fun to watch. It makes Honestly, when I watch the Dolphins offense, it makes me want to put the, <laughs> the teal and orange back on. Uh, that I think there's a lot of us out there. I'll, I'll speak for all Dolphins fans that would love to see you back in uniform for this team, especially with the difficulties they've had with the the third and short and the fourth and short conversions over the last couple of years. Yeah, my specialty. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, the Dolphins had a pretty potent rushing attack this year. Uh, you know, I hate to bring it up, but Raheem Mostert actually broke your your single season rushing touchdown record with the Dolphins this season. He had 18 scores on the ground, surpassing your 16 scores in 2002. Um, how does it feel when, when you see somebody like that surpass a, a, a longstanding record that you had with the club? Yeah, well, I mean, I know Raheem, and, and you know after he broke the record, I sent him a text and told him honestly, I've been following his story and to see him find so much success in Miami, and you know, it's it's amazing, and it really speaks to the how dynamic the offense is. You know, when when a running back and a pass happy offense is scoring that many touchdowns, you know, you know that they're keeping it balanced and that he's he's showing up and doing his part, and you know, in these days where you know not every running back gets to a thousand yards. Um, Raheem's season's impressive across the board. Yeah, over a thousand yards rushing, 18, uh, 18 rushing scores, couple receiving scores as well. He had himself a great year. Another back in that that Dolphins offense that impressed a lot of us fans this season was rookie running back Devon Achan. Um, Devon Achan actually had eight hundred yards rushing on only a hundred and three carries this season, giving him 7.8, roughly 7.8 yards per carry, which is the single season record of any running back in the history of the NFL uh, with a minimum of 100 carries. What did you think of uh, A-Chan's game this season, Rick? Wow. Especially before he got hurt early in the year, he was averaging over 12 yards a carry. (laughs) Again, so much in the NFL, really any team in football is really finding the right fit. And, And, you know, hats off to the Dolphins' scouting staff for finding a good fit at that position um now the biggest biggest challenge in the nfl especially for a running back is staying healthy and i think if if he can stay healthy he's going to put up some big numbers for for a while yeah absolutely he he's considered one of the smaller backs in the nfl obviously helps to uh contribute to his speed do you think it would be beneficial for hn to put on a few pounds this this offseason you know get in the weight room maybe put in put on five ten pounds of muscle to to see if he can be a little more durable in the league i mean muscle helps but but also knowing the game i think one of the things that helped me stay healthy was just experience you know knowing when to go for that extra yard knowing when to fall knowing how to fall some things are freak accidents, but I, I think it's just learning how to play the game. And I think as he gets more snaps, um, and again, adding a couple more pounds, the muscle won't hurt. But but to me, just learning to take care of himself. You know, I think the thing about a football season, it's a cumulative. And I think when we're young, we don't realize we think we're going to be great. But it, it makes a big difference. You just learning to take care of yourself. Your body has the ability to recover, and it's less susceptible to, to injuries that make you miss time. 
So we, we, we're looking back on, on the last couple seasons with the Miami Dolphins. Obviously, new head coach, Mike McDaniel, he's considered kind of a, an offensive guru. Uh, would you have liked to play under uh, a, a head coach, a, a play caller like Mike McDaniel when you were playing? Of course. I mean, of course. There's, you know, there are stories last year of people spotted him vaping on the sideline. That's my type <laughs> of coach. You know, but but seriously, I mean, you, you can see with the productivity of the running backs this season, you know, uh, like you pointed out, like almost 2,000 yards in the running game. So, of course, I'd love to play in in an offense like this where there's a quarterback who's put up big numbers. You got one of the best receiving crews in the, in the NFL. And then, yeah, I would have loved to have been in this offense. Now, you mentioned the quarterback. It wouldn't be any Dolphins discussion without bringing up uh, Tua Tungavailoa. He's a little polarizing uh, in NFL circles right now. We we like him as Dolphins fans. You know, we're, we're looking for him to make that next step. What do you think Tua can do with his game to take that next step? You know, everybody said, oh, well, he well, he's he's injury prone. And, and this last year, he played every single game for the Miami Dolphins. What does he need to focus on this offseason to take the next step for this team? Uh, you know, I think the biggest skill for any football player, but especially quarterback, is the ability to improve from one year to the next. And that's something that Tua has shown his whole career. So I think as long as he stays on this trajectory and, and the coaching situation in Miami stays stable, I think Tua's got a, a good shot to be a good quarterback for a long time. That's good. We like to hear that. So, you know, sticking on on the recent news regarding the Miami Dolphins, uh, defensive coordinator Vic Fangio was a one-and-done uh, for the Miami Dolphins this year. He's headed to the Philadelphia Eagles. Did you ever get an opportunity to play against uh, a Vic Fangio-led defense when you were playing in the National Football League? And and how did you find that? I don't think so. I mean, I'm, I'm not, maybe. I don't remember what like what defenses he was running 20 years ago. Or however sure. <laughs> but, you know, but it's, I don't know. I mean, after, after we get done, I'm going to have to go on, go on Google and <laughs> and do a little research to be able to answer the question. Take a look at, and see who he was coaching at the time. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, let's, let's get into the topic of, of marijuana use and your cannabis company Heisman. You know, we, we want to give you an opportunity to, to talk about the brand here. When I was doing a little research regarding the company, you had a, a very interesting, almost uh almost like an MO of, of, of sorts where you're looking to bridge the gap between cannabis use and the stigma behind that and sports. Can you tell me uh, about the, the impetus of Heisman and why that was important for you to do? You know, it's, it's funny. Like that, that question is more relevant to younger people, people that are a little bit older, you know, they kind of get it. You know, when I played, I got in a lot of trouble for cannabis and it, back then it was, you know, it was, devil's lettuce and it was one story but over the years slowly the country has changed people's attitudes have changed and it's it's made pretty much a one a 180 um but what's still lagging behind because the scars and the wounds of a drug war and something that stigmatized so much is in people's consciousness even though we're finding it's funny even we have to say it like this that we realize it's always been medicine just because for racial motivations and other reasons, it became illegal and a lot of people were persecuted for it. So it just has a, a, a bad rap. And I think the whole point of fame is, at least in my mind, is to use the platform to do something good. There's so many people out in the world right now that are suffering in pain and 
the only thing they feel comfortable taking to help them feel better, whether that's mental mental health issues or physical issues are pharmaceuticals that are given to them by the doctor. And for some people those work, but for some people they don't work. And so I feel part of my mission is to advocate for people like myself that find pleasure and healing and happiness and open-mindedness and greater connection and spirituality and greater focus. The list goes on from cannabis. And there's not so many people who have a platform because of the reputation and the stigma of cannabis are too afraid to tell the truth and be honest about how cannabis benefits their life. So I, I thought, what the heck, I'll be an example and put my name out there and do something good for the world. And you mentioned, you know, you know, I've had a lot of really amazing ideas in my life, you know, things that I've done that have really opened up a lot of doors for me and helped a lot of people. And, you know, I had to work my ass off to get it, but a, a good friend of mine that helped open open my mind was cannabis. And I think that's a, a meaningful story that needs to be told because a lot of people are having those same experiences, but they don't have the courage or the platform to be able to, to talk about them. Do you feel validated with the way that, that the consciousness has shifted within, you know, not even just sports and the NFL, but just with, with the United States as a whole and their views on, on cannabis over the last 20 years, you know, you mentioned it yourself 20 years ago, you were villainized for quote unquote, choosing pot over your NFL career. Um, but now 20 years later, it, it's become a, a much more socially acceptable thing. The NFL themselves, they've, they've lowered, uh, the fines and the suspensions and stuff for, for players who do test positive for marijuana use. Do you feel somewhat validated in a way and, and somewhat like a pioneer as somebody who led the way in that regard? Well, hundred percent, definitely feel like a pioneer validation, you know, um, not so much because I was never looking for validation. You know, I was just trying to be happy and live my life. It's funny when I was a kid, I was a really good student in, in school. We learned about, America, the land of the free and life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And at the end of the day, that's all I was doing. You know, unfortunately, people didn't understand at the time. But, you know, I feel like what I stand for and what I stood for then is really part of the American dream. So I, I don't know. I feel like a pioneer because I'm actually living it and, and sharing my truth and hopefully inspiring other people to do the same. Um but definitely, I, I've, I've embraced the opportunity to be a pioneer. When I, I had a coach, uh, Mac Brown, and he said, if what you do on the football field is the greatest thing you've ever done in your life, you guys have all failed. So I've always had this voice in my head always telling me I have to use this platform to do more. Never thought it would be cannabis, but you know, here we are. I, I genuinely though I do I do think you have become a pioneer and and you have you know throughout the last two decades it's taken a while but you have made it more socially acceptable um you know just to share a little bit uh, of my own story uh, I suffer from insomnia and as a way to self medicate uh, a few years ago about 5 years ago I was drinking very heavily every night drinking alcohol taking sleeping pills. Uh, and as a result, I, I had gained a lot of weight from the added calories and, and my blood pressure was extremely high due to that. And, and a friend of mine said, well, why don't you switch over to marijuana and you can use a strain called Indica and, and that will help you fall asleep at night and you won't need to drink as much as you are now. And it should help you health wise. And so I switched from 
literally uh, roughly eight shots of vodka every single night to essentially put myself into a coma just so I could sleep. I switched over to, to an Indica vape and from, and I'm not joking from day one, from day one, it knocked me out. It allowed me to rest, get a deep sleep. Since then I've lost 30 pounds. My blood pressure has completely normalized and, and, and is regular now. Uh, it, it's been about four years since I made the switch and I do credit my marijuana use with my, with my health resurgence and, and, and the fact that I'm no longer at risk of having a heart attack before I reach the age of 40. So, um, being a Dolphins wow. fan all my life, uh, I was able to kind of reach back on your experience and say, well, you know, Ricky has always been such an advocate for this. And, you know, it sounds silly to say, but if, if it works for Ricky, it could work for me. And so, you know, with, with the help of my friend and, and being able to reach back on your experience, it, it did help me as well. So do you, do you find that, you know, obviously marijuana has helped you in many ways. Do you find that there are other people in your circle that have been inspired by you to use marijuana and it's been, a, been beneficial to their health? Long term, my mom. You know, my mother's a great example. She, you know, she. I'm not. I think she's being serious, but I can't tell. But she wants to start a brand <laughs> called, called High's Mom. Oh, that's fantastic! <laughs> you know, because she's had a she's had a lot of um, surgeries, and you know, her back is really messed up. And she's saying, and she's noticing that there's a need out there that for a lot of older people who are dealing with a lot of physical pain, pharmaceuticals are kind of the only way they have to go and she's finding so much so much better relief and so much improvement of the quality of her life through cannabis and that's fantastic yeah. that's awesome i i would buy a, a strain called high's mom i really would that would be that'd be really cool but uh you know speaking of heisman the reason i have you on today you're going to be doing a, a meet and greet at a dispensary here uh in my hometown uh moline illinois um i live directly across the river in, in davenport iowa where it's actually not legal to possess cannabis but in been in illinois it is so most of us kind of just take a little hop skip and a jump across the river say, and... i think a lot of a lot of people that i see are going to come, come across the border <laughs> yes sir i imagine that that'll be the truth um, um, you know, you've been doing a number of these meet and greets lately. You know, are, are fans allowed to bring, you know, stuff to get autographed and take photos? That's with the you? best part. You know, how does it work? That's the best part. I mean, really, I'd say half of the people are really cannabis fans. The other half are collectors. And for me, it's fun because the collectors, is a lot of it's their first time in a dispensary, you know. And I kind of mess around with them and, you know, try to get them high. <laughs> But um, <laughs> no, but, you know, it's just an experience, kind of like you said before, this is the part that is bridging the gap between cannabis and sports. And so many times we have negative connotations of, of cannabis and our and athletes. And so I like to show up with a big smile, meet, meet, that really is a meet and greet, meet people, shake their hand, have a conversation and help normalize cannabis. Right? A lot of people in their lives, they get it, but there's people close to them that don't. And so I think when you're around other people, it kind of you feel proud of yourself and you don't want to hide anymore. And to me, that that's the most powerful thing for me is just not living a life where you have to hide the things that are important to you. That's awesome. So you've mentioned, you know, you've been very open in the past about your social anxiety disorder diagnosis. Uh, do you feel when doing these meet and greets that that being able to use your product Heisman helps you when you're meeting all of these new people? Well, I, I don't, I don't, See, I don't see cannabis that way as a treatment. For me, the treatment of social anxiety is 
there's something about, and I'm not sure if you've had this, if you've noticed this yet, there's something about consuming cannabis that allows you to get more in touch with what's on the inside. Absolutely. And so a lot of the times the sources, well, all the, most of the time, if not all the time, the sources of our anxiety are just unresolved stuff on the inside. And we stay so busy in life that we don't ever attend to those things. And so I, I notice after work, I go home and I consume cannabis and I call it self-psychotherapy. I'd get in touch with those parts of myself and I'd work it out. And as I did that, the social anxiety disappeared. And I'm, and, the, I'm just really comfortable with who I am because I know myself on such a, a deep level because of the hours I've spent, you know, doing self-reflection. That's fantastic here. Well, again, Ricky Williams, uh, it's been an honor and a privilege to speak to you. One of my favorite players of all time, one of the greatest Miami Dolphins of all time. Um, you will be at Revolution Dispensary in Moline, Illinois, this Saturday at 10 a.m. You'll be signing autographs and, and, and spreading the word, getting the word out about Heisman cannabis products. Um, if people are interested in learning more about Heisman products, uh, where, th where should they go? Heisman.com, H-I-G-H-S-M-A-N.com. I've got a bunch of cool information on there. Check it out. Fantastic. Well, I want to thank you again for joining me today, Ricky. Uh, again, it was an honor and a privilege. Um, I will be there on Saturday. I'm going to come check it out, maybe get a, a football oh, or a helmet autographed by uh, Mr. Ricky Williams. So I'm looking forward to that. But again, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, Ricky. Thanks, Ricky.